Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the second episode of my podcast. Today I have a really awesome guest. His name is Max Eberhardt. He used to be a professional snowboarder traveling around the world for big air events and slope style contests. He actually rode on the Canadian national team alongside people like Mark McMorris. About a year ago, he was actually forced to walk away from his snowboard career due to numerous concussions. Since then, he ended up in Toronto and he's actually been producing music with a lot of different musicians, including Roy Woods and Drake. Here comes the episode and I hope you enjoy. All right. Yeah, Max, thanks for coming and chatting today. Oh, yeah. Stoked to be here. I've been um, I've actually been really looking forward to like having this conversation with you because a lot of the people who I'm inviting to be part of the podcast, um, like they're doing really cool things and that's why I'm inviting them. But like you have a really big past in snowboarding and that was kind of a huge part of my life. So I don't really get mm. to chat with many people like that. Yeah, that so, border life. Yeah. So it's like it's a good life. Exactly. Like I miss it. I know you probably do. Oh yeah. Like I even more it. than I do. Like I still board a lot, but yeah. Um, you've been riding Louie and shit. Yeah. 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 I just been boarding around Ontario a lot. It's, Sick. it's just for fun now. Like I went in my first contest that I've gone in, in years this oh, really? year. And Which it, one? <laughs> I went in frozen rail jam. At oh, Blue what? Mountain. they're still doing that one. Yeah. Crazy. I, I actually think they brought it back from like, I think it was gone for a few years. Yeah. I remember they got rid of it like for a while. Yeah. Like even when, when I used to do it, like I remember one year they just stopped doing it. But they must have just brought it back. Yeah. I think they brought it back. And That's it was sick. like such a fun setup and put the pressure on me a bit, which <laughs> yeah. was pretty fun. Yeah. Like I really missed that. That's dope. Okay. I guess I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah. I mean, I'm Max. I like boarding. I like making music. Um, that's pretty much it. I like skating. I don't really know how to introduce myself, to be honest. <laughs> no, fair enough, man. Fair enough. I had like this... I, know, I don't know how to sum myself up, so... No, fair enough. Um, I'm a person. Yeah, you're a guy who does stuff. Yeah, I'm a, a guy of, who does stuff. That's of, the best way to sum it up. A lot of different stuff. Yeah, so basically, I had this, this story kind of pictured in my mind that I would just say to introduce you. So, um, I remember like years ago at Downlow, Quicksilver Downlow at Mount St. Louis Moonstone. Mm. For everyone who hasn't heard of that before, it's... Um, it's an invite only snowboard contest and basically they take all the snow that's left at the end of the season and make the biggest features they can possibly build on an Ontario Hill, because obviously there's some limitations there, but I remember they built a bunch of different rails and and different jumps and whatnot. And they had this one massive jump and I looked at it and I was pretty much immediately like, there's no way I'm hitting that. Not a chance. And I just sat there with my buddy who was making the video and, and I don't know if it was first hit or not, but you just rolled up and did a double cork. Was it a triple cork? Or was it a no, double? No, it was double. Okay. Tri- triples weren't really happening back then. Yeah. I don't even think they... Uh, yeah, you're right. I don't think they were. And I don't think they were a thing at that time. And that was Doubles like, were like triples back then. Yeah, exactly. And I think everyone there was kind of like, what just happened? That was the first <laughs> double cork that ever happened in Ontario, mm. right? Wasn't it? I think it? that was the first one I ever tried. Yeah. And you got, you landed it first try, right? I like butt checked, I think. But oh. It was like, I, I, I never stomped it that day, but like I got close. Oh man. Yeah. You were super close though. Like I, I remember that actually. Yeah. Like I just put like a hand down and like butt cheek maybe. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, and I think everyone was too, because at the time it was only giant pros doing that. Mm-hmm. And then you just did it there. And I think Craig did one there too. Yeah. People were chucking. Yeah. Like, that was so, a fun event. I wish they still did that. I know that's, it's such, so unfortunate that that one's gone. Yeah, they should um, bring that one back. And yeah, and then after that, I guess I kind of, I didn't really see you around after that. I might have seen you at a couple contests the next year in Ontario. And then suddenly you just had a bunch of sponsors supporting you and you were traveling all over the place and like placing in big air contests in like Germany and a bunch of different places around the world. And then um, that was like a few years, at least a few years, right? Probably four years long, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then technically like for four Four years? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then suddenly, I just didn't see much of you on your Instagram or even in, in like the snowboard world and the snowboard news. I didn't really hear your name often anymore. And I guess I didn't really think anything of it because I was kind of starting to follow snowboarding less and less anyways. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then it wasn't until a few weeks ago, I was just walking down the street, just walking home down Ossington in Toronto. And I stopped in at the Burton store because um, our mutual friend Tim was working there. I saw him in the window. And That's we were, you, you just, you, did you know he worked there? Or you just randomly saw him in the window. I think I made it, saw him make a post about oh, an okay. event that was happening there. Um, no, actually yeah, I chatted with him. I chatted with him a few weeks before. Got it. And, uh, yeah. And then, um, I just walked in there and we were just kind of shooting the shit and talking about stuff. And he was like, Hey, did you see what Max, did you see what Max's thing, his new thing? And I was like, Max who? And he was like, Max Eberhardt. 
And I was like, no. And he was like, yeah, he's been in Toronto, like producing music with, with a lot of different big names. And he produced Can't Take a Joke on Drake's new album. And I was like, what? How did, like, what is going on here? And then I, don't, I just left and came home. And a few weeks later, I did my first podcast and that worked out pretty well. So I've just been kind of debating who I should interview. And as soon as I started thinking, I was like, oh, I should totally have Max on here because that's such an interesting story. Just going from uh, like a, a pro snowboarder who's doing well and competing well and having good results. And then probably only a year later, like it was only about a year, right? And you're like, suddenly you have a producer, you're a producer who's making music for one of the biggest musicians in the world. So it's just a crazy story, you know? And I like, yeah. found, I just thought it'd be an awesome time to have you on here and we can just, you can walk me through the story a bit. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, it probably looks pretty random to a lot of people because I didn't really like document a whole lot of the transition, but it's been a, it's been like a journey for sure. Just basically, yeah, like, I don't know, just kind of floating, trying to figure out what to do next after boarding. Yeah, fair enough, eh? Like, mm -hmm. I, I know I never boarded at the extent that you did at all, but I guess I had a moderate amount of success. And when I had to stop boarding or stop competing because I, I had an injury, I was, like, super depressed. It's and the I'd, hardest part. Emotionally, dealing with it is, is, like, the biggest task. Yeah, it really is. And... I think I just didn't find a good thing to get into right away. It sounds like you kind of got, you had like another thing going that, that you got occupied with like pretty quickly. Yeah, which it, was, is awesome. it was kind of premeditated, but like I wasn't like hoping that it would happen that quick. Like not, no, I, I wasn't, it's not that I wasn't hoping that it would like be successful that quick, but I wasn't like expecting to have to switch over that fast. Like it all kind of came about in the last season of boarding. I was just like, just too many injuries, had a couple of concussions, and then it was mainly the concussions that made me switch because that's it's just like too risky to mess with that because they don't really you don't really know like what's going to happen down the road. It's kind of a crapshoot for anybody getting concussions. It's like you kind of just got to stay in tune with yourself and like feel how you're feeling, and things just it just wasn't feeling right for me at the time. Mm -hmm. Like I was just feeling like it was a bit like I don't know, like there was just no evidence. Like I would get a concussion and then like pass like a test that was like supposed to like diagnose me in terms of my progress. Yeah. So you never I would, really... I would like do well on it and they, but I would still be feeling weird. So I was like, okay, this is weird. If they're telling me I'm good, but I'm not feeling right. Like sh who should I believe? Like, should I believe like the way I'm feeling like your, your instinct or should I believe like a, a doctor that's telling me I'm good to go? Yeah. So it kind of came down to that at the end of the day. And then I, I just had to like stop. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Brain injuries. That's one thing that, I mean, obviously there's a lot of sports where brain injuries are becoming a really big issue. Like football's huge, hockey's huge, but it's such an, un, an unspoken topic in snowboarding mm -hmm. because I guess you were more like slope style, big mountain type of stuff, like slope style, yeah, slope big style. jumps. Yeah. So helmets are pretty standard. Like people wear them, Yeah. but there's such a culture in snowboarding to that helmets are just, people don't want to wear them. Yeah. And and it's like, at the end of the day, I don't even know, like helmets are good. Like you should wear a helmet, I think, if you're doing gnarly shit, but it's like, I don't know how much they do when you're hitting your head that hard. And like, I didn't have that many like serious concussions. It was a couple like minor ones that just added up. But like when you're, when you're going fast and like hitting, like if you're in slush, for example, like, I don't know how, like what's, what's worse, hitting your head off slush or hitting your head with a helmet off slush. You know what I mean? For sure. Like that's a debate that I've heard like some, some boarders discuss. Because, like, if you hit your head Man. off slush with a helmet on, then you have, like, another layer of, like, plastic and foam between your head and the slush. Yeah. But if you hit your head off a rail, like, obviously, <laughs> it's probably better to have a helmet on. Yeah, in the big picture, yeah. probably. So, I don't know. I think it's just, it's obviously better to just wear one. Oh, for sure. But Play it safe. But, but like, it's, like, they don't prevent concussions. They help prevent, like, brain damage and, like, fractured skulls and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I remember at Camp of Champions one summer at, in Whistler... Um, this is pretty much when my jump game in snowboarding just started going downhill big time. Like I was starting pro to progress in that area pretty well, I would say. And then, um, I like went off a big jump in Whistler and just like cracked my helmet in half. It oh, just like shit. snapped in half and really? I broke my arm in a few different places. Oh, my God. And Which after jump? that, I was just afraid for so, it, it was the second jump in the line out of three, okay. but it was a while ago, man, it was probably like seven years ago now, like a long time ago. 
But I didn't even get a concussion, and I never felt weird or anything after. But my my helmet snapped in half, and the doctor was like, "Man, you have no idea how lucky you are hitting your head and that helmet just cracking it. If that yeah. didn't, if that helmet didn't crack, it probably would have hurt you. You would have got a concussion for sure. Yeah, it's like so weird. So yeah, having a helmet definitely does. Yeah, work. Like, but do you know Cody Williams? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've probably heard about. The whole thing that yeah, he went I heard through. His story that's insane. His is wild because it reminds me just the same as that Netflix documentary Crash Reel with um, the guy who was rivaling Sean White. I forget his name. Oh, Kevin Pierce. Kevin Pierce. Yeah, it reminds me just of that because he ended up in a coma. Yeah. And he was out for a long time, and nobody even knew if he was going to survive. And yeah, I remember that. That was scary. Yeah, and he's like actually a really good buddy of mine. I grew up snowboarding with him in London, and now he's totally bounced back like well, i'm not i shouldn't even say that like he has made posts and he's told me even before he's like it seems like i've bounced back but there's a lot of things i'm still dealing with and mm-hmm. i think he does have a lot of things but as far as what could have happened like he's literally a, he's a normal guy like walking around he still gets to hang out with his friends and mm-hmm. he's the same cody that we all kind of knew before and it's like such an amazing recovery yeah but i think it's hard for people a lot of people to appreciate like what you go through like with uh, post-concussion sin- syndrome and stuff like that and symptoms, like it's hard to like really understand. Like, it's not a linear recovery. Like you, you'll see someone doing well, and like it's been like, oh, it's been a year, so you expect that they're just like recovered. But like for everyone, it's different. You have like ups and downs. Like some days you're feeling good, some days you're like feeling like just overwhelmed and overstimulated. Yeah, I mean from the outside looking in, things can seem pretty great, but you could be dealing with some shit still. You've had concussions. I, yeah. I get that. I think like brain injuries are so misunderstood right now, mm. which I mean, except for people who have them or know people close to them who have them. Like, I think I was really woken up to it when it happened to Cody and I was like, holy crap, man. Yeah. But I wore a helmet snowboarding anyways. Well, in Ontario, you have to wear helmets in any good park anyway. Yeah. So it's just <laughs> kind of become a habit. True. It's like, I don't want to, it just becomes a comfort factor too. You don't want to take it off because you're so used to it. Yeah. Except for when it's like summer and you're, you know, like springboarding in, in Whistler or something. It's like hard to wear a helmet because it's like roasting hot out. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're just dying of sweat. Yeah. Um, so like as far as your snowboard career went, like how do you think you launched so far into snowboarding? Because I know like you were just doing really well. You were getting paid by different sponsors and like you were sponsored by Yonex, which I always thought was super random to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like. It's yeah, like it's a Japanese up. tennis racket company, but yeah, no, they make sick boards. <laughs> yeah, it was they were good boards. No, eh? they're actually sick. Well, I figure they must be pretty good. Yeah, like I wouldn't ride something if I didn't like it. Yeah, like I'm pretty like I don't know, and at the same time, it's like it allowed me to keep snowboarding. You know what I mean? I think that at the end of the day, that's the goal. If you can keep like boarding, like I didn't want to have to get like a job for sure to like just to be able to board. I would have if I had to, but I don't know. For sure. Yonex was sick. They're very supportive. They're like great people and they made like sick boards and they were open to feedback at all times, which was cool. If I didn't like something, I could tell them and they would tweak the boards for the next batch. Like the first one, the first batch they sent me, the first board I wrote, I snapped in like three days on like a heavy slam. And then I just told them to make it a bit stronger. And from that point, I'd never broke a board. Really? And I used to break boards all the time. I would break any board, like Burton's, like whatever. And then I was like, just make it stronger. <laughs> I don't know what they did. That's awesome. But like, I never snapped a board from that point on for like years. I guess they kind of have to replace you now that you didn't, you weren't able to go back, eh? <laughs> yeah. Or if they want to, I guess it doesn't really work like that in snowboarding necessarily. They were still sh- like supportive. They were like, yeah, if you want to come back next season, if you're all good, like we'll take you back. That must have been so much harder too, eh? Like <laughs> yeah. just hearing that, just knowing that it's kind of waiting there for you. I was just knowing I could go back, but like. It was more serious than that. Like, I don't know. Like, being a boarder, there's always, like... It's, like, it's such a good lifestyle. You're in your own in your own realm at all times. Like, the boarding world is, like, not reality. But, like, you can still live and sustain yourself in it, which is amazing. Yeah. And it's, like, you, you can be so disconnected, but it doesn't really matter at the same time. Oh, I can understand sure, why people would just live in, like, a mountain town and just, like like, work to be able to shred all year round. Forever. Like, forever. Like, that would be, like, pretty sick. And then just, like, camping and hiking and living that lifestyle is pretty amazing. But I feel like, for me, like, there was always that sense of, like, okay, well, I know that I'm not going to be able to make, like, a, like, I'm not going to be able to live for the rest of my life off of, like, what I'm making off boarding. 
So like there was always that thought in the back of my mind of like, what are you going to do next? Mm-hmm. And that was like kind of like why I was premeditating on music. And I thought about going to school and all that as well, but wasn't really that appealing to me. And I didn't really know like what I would go for. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. That's kind of, I think that kind of looms over certain borders. Some don't even think about it probably, but yeah. it's like something worth thinking about, but I think what think what comes next is a huge factor. I think the snowboard community is awesome because I mean, there's that whole, the whole concept that a lot of people say where it's like you become kind of like all the people you spend time with a lot mm. and you just end like you're spending time with people who are just like so happy <laughs> and passionate about what they do. Yeah. Whatever it is, however it is the lifestyle that they live, it's just people who are literally doing exactly what they want. Yeah, no, it's unreal. And like that whole thing became a huge influence on me, which is why like, I'm trying things like this podcast and just trying a few other things. And I feel like a lot of my other friends who snowboarded a lot are doing pretty interesting jobs. Like they turn into videographers or, mm-hmm. or they're working in music now also. And um, it kind of like puts you down an interesting path for sure. Mm-hmm. As far as snowboarding goes, like I'm, most people who come out of Ontario and do really well come from those training programs, like simple and um, I can't even remember the other one. Education. Sure, education. Icarus. Yeah. Icarus. Yeah. And uh, simple, simple as the the senders now. Yeah, Sender Society. Sender Society. Like you didn't do anything like that though, did you? No, I did. I worked with Max and O with Maximize. Oh, okay. For like a while, but like I didn't do that until I was probably sixteen or seventeen. That's in like Quebec City or something. It's in Quebec. It's like close to Tremblant. Okay. Yeah, he was located closer to Montreal when I started just doing like trampoline stuff with him. That was super helpful. Cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was a super, like, pivotal point for me, like, with being able to transition from, like, uh, I guess, like, provincial and, like, national level to international. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know, the way he coaches is, like, pretty unique. Cool. Yeah. Because he, yeah, he trains, like, a lot of big, a big borders. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he trained a bunch of the people who are at the Olympics this year, right? Yeah. Something like that. I think I remember them mentioning that. Yeah. Does he help you get... <clears throat> out to events and sponsors like does he help you with that as well he helped me get yonex oh okay yeah cool so that was pretty like essential i think yeah for sure man like getting getting the support and people who will like back you up with traveling and whatnot yeah yeah he'll yeah. reach out and like use his connections to try to help you get gear get funding or support or whatever you need yeah and his facility is crazy and he's like a just like a super smart guy when it comes to like coaching athletes. Cool. He's got a whole system dialed in. Yeah. So as far as like coming to Toronto and ending up in this city producing music, like how did that whole thing come about for you? Cause that's like such a crazy transition from living in California and living in Whistler and yeah. snowboarding. And then you just, it's like a year later, I think you said. Yeah. You basically. Think, yeah. It's like one year and you're already like have a lot of things going on. Yeah. Well, I stopped boarding May like basically Super Park last year, so May 2017. And I was still in Mammoth for my recovery. And then I basically stayed there for a month, just chilled out, recovered, came back to Ontario, stayed at home for a bit. And it was just like trying to figure out what to do next. And I knew that I wanted to like try to push music, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to school <coughs> or if I just wanted to like move to Toronto and just try to do it like the independent route. And I ended up just like, I had to go, okay, so... I want to rewind like a little bit further back because for like three summers prior to stopping boarding, I would come to Toronto in the summer and just work on music. And um, my friend introduced me to this artist, Trip Six. He was roommates with his brother at the time. And I just told him, I'd like, I'll engineer you anytime for free. Like I was just trying to like, because I, I looked up to him as an artist. Like I really like his music and I was a fan just from a listening standpoint. So I was just like stoked if he would come through and let me record him. And uh, he was, I got in touch with him through my friend and eventually he came through one day and I just would record him every now and then. He'd come by like once or twice a summer kind of thing. I'd only spend like maybe a total of a month there over a summer, like over a few weeks. I would come down for a week, go home, come back for two weeks. And then I did that every summer and kind of just built the relationship up. And then, so back to me stopping boarding, I went down to Toronto for the summer and I was basically just, um, like working on making music, trying to find a place to live. Uh, I was doing Uber Eats for work for like a month 
just like ripping around a bike downtown. Nice. Like people are crazy with that shit. Like they'll <laughs> order like a coffee from McDonald's and then you have a coffee in your backpack. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. my god. And they just man. like take a coffee cup and they like staple it in like a McDonald's bag and then you have that in like a giant cube on your back. That's actually hilarious. And there's just like coffee and smoothies and shit sloshing around on your back. It's <laughs> oh <my laughs> odd, man. But yeah, I did that for a while and then I don't know. I just like eventually was like, hey, I'm just gonna go ham with music. And I moved into my spot September second. And then as soon as I moved in, I just hit up Trip Six, and I was like, "Anytime you want to come record, like come through. I'll I'll engineer you for free." I hadn't even shown him like any of my beats at the time yet. Like he knew I produced, but just for fun. And I was like, "I'll just engineer you." Like I never even pushed the beats on him. And then he came through one day. We recorded, and then the next day he's like, "Yo, I'm I'm gonna bring Roy through." And that's that's Roy Woods. He's like a a pretty big Toronto artist. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. I've heard of him for many years now. Like yeah. I know he's a pretty big musician. Yeah, he's a and I was a fan of his too. He's he makes sick like he's just a sick artist. And uh so he came through like the next day and like I was just tripping like trying to stay co- like collected cuz I had so now like Trip 6 and Roy in my room and like that day like Roy's team all came through eventually. They were everyone was just vibing. My room's tiny. It's like kind of like a prison cell. I call it my cell because I kind of just like lock myself in there. But I had like 10 people in my room probably at one point. Wow. And I'm just crammed in like everyone's like just sitting on my bed, like standing. Had a couple of chairs in there, like packed, but like people were just vibing. And these guys, Trip and Roy, were just vibing to beats. I recorded them on a few and then eventually uh, Roy told me to play some beats. So I played some and he hopped on. He ended up getting on one of them. And like just from that point on, shit got crazy. We were just like grinding for the next, like, I don't know, five, six months. Like from that point until basically May. Yeah, just like April, I, maybe. He, I know you were saying before that you guys were just like up all night recording music and producing producing yeah. beats and you were just like not sleeping. Yeah. And you're yeah, like, like trying to recover. Forward. I'm trying to still trying to recover from a, well, I was like pretty recovered at that time. I was like, I thought I was fully recovered. Like I was like good. And then. Yeah, we were doing. We started doing that, so I would be up until like seven a.m. some nights, and then I'd go to sleep for like four to six hours. Wake up, make some beats, and then the guys would like be like, "Yo, can we have a session tonight? Come back the next night, do it all over again." We were just doing that like nonstop, and I was just like trying not to lose the opportunity because I knew it was such a, a crazy window of opportunity that I had. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not letting this slip. So I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to do what I have to do. Like, I was feeling pretty, like, I got used to feeling like trash. I think that's the worst part. Like, I was like, I would wake up the first couple of nights and be like, holy shit. Like, I feel hungover and I didn't even drink. And then, <laughs> like. There's no rest at all. Yeah. And then I would like, eventually I just got used to feeling like that. I'd wake up and feel fresh and I'd be like ready to go. But I, I but that was like, I wasn't actually fresh. Like, somehow I just got used to feeling terrible all the time. And I did that for like six months. And then, like, October, I got another concussion skating just from falling on my ass. wasn't even a hard slam. And uh, I honestly think it was just because I was, like, putting my body and my, my mind through so much with, like, the late nights and not sleeping. Like, sleep is so important. It really is, man. And, like, like I've always been, like, a sleeper my whole life. Like, I'd go to, I'll go to bed at, like, 9, wake up at, like, 6 or 5. Like, I love waking up early if I can. But I need enough sleep to wake up early. And, uh... So I wasn't getting that. I was just like, I threw that out the window. I'm like, that's not, that doesn't work with his lifestyle. I'm just, I'll do whatever I have to do. And I just did that for like months. And then eventually it caught up to me. And now I go to sleep at 10 p.m. again. Yeah, he switched it back up. Yeah, I switched it back. But yeah, we did that. And that's how everything kind of came together. I was working with Roy a lot and working with Trip6 a lot. And I had the chance to send beats to OVO through Roy. And they were hearing some of the work that we were doing. And yeah, I was sending packs while they were working on Scorpion. And eventually that that beat was, they just liked that beat. That ended up being Can't Take a Joke. That was in the first pack that I sent, I think. That's crazy, man. And you were saying earlier that like, that's a song you weren't even going to send. It was like an extra or something. Yeah, it was just a random beat. Like I, it wasn't even finished. I was just scrounging through like old concepts. Yeah. And like I heard that. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then... Just like put it together. I was like, I'll send that too, I guess. That's crazy. Like there might be more <laughs> that I didn't find that like, I don't know. I have so many. So it's like eventually you have to go back and listen to them all or not. Yeah. I, my process is a bit different now so that I don't miss those ones as much. But 
which is always like evolving. That's wild, man. So at the time when you were sending those to OVO, <coughs> um, like, did you know that OVO's intention was to was that Drake wanted a beat for a song, or did you were you just sending it to the record label and they were just gonna use it for anyone who was interested? No, I was like pretty sure it was they were for Drake because we were sending them to Forty, who is Drake's like right hand man. Basically, he's like his engineer producer. Like he he kind of built up OVO with them as well as Oliver, like those three like run it. And I was sending beats to 40 and Oliver. So, um, and I knew they were working on the album because they mentioned that. Yeah. So that's wild. Yeah. So yeah. What are you, what are you doing with music now? Like any, any upcoming projects or anything, uh, anything just, in the horizon that you're excited about? I've kind of stepped back from the engineering side of things, like recording artists and mixing and all that just to focus on like producing I'm just like locked in my cell, just uh, making beats. I'm just trying to like stockpile and like keep progressing. Yeah. And I'm sending beats to artists, trying to get more placements basically. Um, working with Trip Six still. Some of the art- other artists I work with, Drip. Um, basically, just kind of doing what I've been doing. A bit less hectic in terms of like working with artists in person though. Yeah. Because for the first like half year, that was all just me working in person with these guys. Fair enough. Which was like, it's like the best way to do it. Like if you can be like in person in a studio with the artist, that's like the best way to do it. That's true. Because eh? you're going to get things done way. Like you send beats to an artist, they have like beats from so many other producers. Like what's going to make you stand out? Mm-hmm. If you're there working with them, it's like organized that way. You're there, play some beats. And then the energy's there too. Like they're in the studio, they're going, they're there to record. Mm-hmm. If they're not in the studio and they're playing beats, they might just like overlook one that could have been the one. He probably made a good impression. He's probably he. I'm sure he's a talented dude. Yeah, they can tell but, where your intentions are. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, like not like trying to like he wasn't trying to like make a ton of money or like anything like that. He probably just he just needed an internship or school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like it happens when you're not trying. Yeah, it's pretty real, eh? When you're just actually into it. Yeah, because I, I like, wasn't trying to get money. I was just trying to like get a resume or like just work with artists that I like that I like aspired to work with yeah it was like an opportunity like the sun like last summer my summer goal like i was like trying to manifest all this shit like i was like writing it on my glass and shit like make a track with like trip six that was my my summer goal last last summer dude you're doing law of attraction stuff i guess so i was like writing all over my windows like in the condo like writing all this shit like i had like guy sunny diamonds he's roy's engineer i hadn't met him but i was like i fucking need to meet this guy because i heard that he had like touched a lot of talent through Toronto. Like, he's worked with, like, all these artists, all these producers. He just puts artists on. Like, he's a super good, like, great guy. And then I was, like, my another one was, like, make a track with Trip Six. I had never made a track with him. And I was, like, I really want to make a track with him. And, like, wrote all this shit down. And then, like, before that, like, before I made a track with Trip, I made a track with Roy. And then, like, I've made, like, 100 tracks with Trip now since then. Because we just work. Like, we're just, like, pretty close now. Yeah. And like, I'm close with Sonny now. He's like kind of mentoring me. Like, that was my goal to like get him to be my mentor, but I didn't know how. You know what I mean? Like, I was mm-hmm. just like, I was just writing shit down just to like keep it on my mind. But yeah. I wasn't like, I wasn't like trying to make it happen. I was like just doing what I could do, like get, taking any opportunity and just like going like with it. Cause I was like, I was doing the engineering cause I was like, if worse comes to worse. I can probably make like rent off of just engineering people, like being like, I'll record you for 30 bucks an hour or whatever. Yeah. And like, now I can, now I, I'm able to stop doing that, which is sick because I hate doing it. And then you can focus on like bigger, bigger creative projects, like actually making beats that are going to be on real radio, like big, well played songs. You yeah, know? exactly. And now I know that like I have more of a resume now. So if I want to go back to engineer just to pay bills, if I have to at some point, I can do that. Mm hmm. Like, I know, like, how to go back and do that if I need to. Yeah. I fucking hate, I hate stupid jobs. Like, I, last October, I got a job working in the distillery as a, uh, a busser. Like, I was working up to be a server, and I quit, like, the next day. Yeah. (laughs) Just not for you. (laughs) Like, I could, like, I was like, this is super counterproductive. Like, I don't need this money right now. Yeah. I could, like harness my or like or like just put 100 percent, 110 percent into like creative output and making music and stuff nice 
but like uh, some like sometimes not everyone can do that like sometimes you just have zero i know and you gotta just like do what you gotta do to make money which is like fine too for sure that's why it's really good to not let yourself get to that point where you're like money is dictating how you're living instead of just you deciding yeah and if you can save money too like if you're able to live at home and like do shit like that and save up like i feel like a lot of people who live at home get comfortable like if you could still live with your parents i'd say you should do it because like (laughs) you have way less expenses than if you try to move to somewhere like toronto you could just literally if you're grinding and living at home you could save cash because like i had 20 grand like coming here and that was able to sustain me for like over a year yeah where i didn't have to work and i could completely focus on something else yeah. Like, you could easily save up 20 grand if you're living at home. Yeah. Like, I remember the first year I moved to Mammoth after high school, I saved up, like, eight grand or something in, like, five months. And, like, I just lived off of that for, like, six months. Yeah. I paid my rent, paid everything. Like, people just don't, like, not as people do, but, like, some people don't, like, realize, like, like, how, like, what you can do if you put your mind to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, save, like, just be good with your money. Don't buy stupid shit. Don't buy like unnecessary stuff if you're like actually trying to do something. It's yeah. funny when I see people who are like, oh, I don't have the money to do that. I wish I could do it. But then they spend money on stupid shit. Like money. Managing your your finances is something they should teach you more in like high school and in school. Oh, big time, man. <laughs> big time. Yeah. There's like a few things that really are more important than a lot of the things you learn at school. And it's like learning how to like control your, it's like the art of thinking clearly. Mm. Like that's, that's hard as fuck. Super hard. <laughs> yeah. It's like a lifetime skill. Like you have to just constantly be pressing that one. Yeah. That like emotional intelligence is actually pretty big. Like learning how to like deal with stress and like deal mm. with things. And especially True. in t- today's day and age where like all millennials <laughs> have like anxiety and stuff. Yeah. Cause everyone does. Oh yeah. I have anxiety. Yeah, man. Me too. Everyone does. <laughs> I was talking to someone yesterday and I was like, like, I could guarantee that when my dad was sitting around with his buddies, none of them were like, yeah, we all have, anx- we all have anxiety. <laughs> yeah. That's what millennials do. <laughs> I didn't have anxiety when I was a kid. I, I'm glad that I still remember what it was like not having a cell phone. I still remember, like, having to go call, like, on my friends. Like, go to their house or call them, talk to their parents, knock ask if the, they're home. Knock on their or door. Or go to them, knock on their door, see if they're there. Yeah. And then you'd make plans for the next day and everyone would show up <laughs> so weird <laughs> like you wouldn't eh? even talk to them until you met them at that time crazy man like i still remember that i think that's like back then i wasn't anxious <laughs> oh dude <laughs> i think it's kid, technology not... and and social media and technology True. and i think it is yeah that's just oh me, i 100 percent agree yeah it has to be like it definitely is yeah i love that you mentioned though that um yeah i love that you mentioned that you wrote down all the things you wanted to do because like my last podcast was with this girl who is a business coach and she does mindset coaching also so she she teaches people how to get their online businesses off the ground Mm. and she also teaches them how to master their mindset to like be in the right headspace to go after their goals yeah which is i feel like you might not talk about that but if you could be a pro snowboarder and then just immediately swap it up and start doing something else you like, you obviously probably have that figured out, even if you don't think about it often. To some extent, I do think about certain things like that. Like, not like maybe to that extent. Like, I don't know how to break it down like that, but like meditating every day, like helped me a lot with certain things like that. Like just reflecting, making notes. I think writing shit down is super important though. Because like, how many things do you think of during a day that you're never going to, you're not going to remember like everything you think of throughout the day. Yeah, you, you might think of a gem. Just write it down in your notes on your phone. Dude, then you I can do. like reflect on it and be like, "Whoa, shit!" Like I can't remember. I can't believe I thought about that. Yeah, you get little nuggets like throughout the day, and if you just don't write them down, like they're just gone. They're gone forever. Yeah, and like I have this big ass white. It's not even a whiteboard. It's orange, but it's probably like eight feet by like like a four a four by eight big plastic board in my room, and I just like you can just jot anything, and it's always in front of you. You wake up and see shit. I still remember that 40 bucks that I paid for Wi-Fi three months ago that no one paid me back for. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to get that money back. Yeah, you got it, man. Every dollar counts. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, just even having little, like, great, like, little sayings or, like, expressions or for sure, like, man. words of wisdom, even if they seem corny to other people, like, that shit can help you. Oh, yeah. Like, I had, like, I have, like, shit on my board in my room that people would come in and read it, like, condescendingly. I'm like, whatever, you can think what you want, but that's helping me. Like, I didn't write it for you. I wrote it for myself. Yeah. 
like just having little things that like really resonate with you, like keep that shit in front of you because it like kind of keeps you in the same place. Mm-hmm. Like mentally, like it's a place that you can kind of harness and come back to, I find. Yeah. If you're actually like kind of like manifesting through writing or like just premeditating things. Like, I don't know, like I've never, I never really did it too much. Like with snowboarding, I would visualize tricks and if I could visualize it, I could probably do it. Yeah. But like, I never did that with like contests and stuff like that. But since I did it last summer with music and like a lot of shit happened, like way big, way more than I like expected or planned on just from visualizing a couple smaller things. Wow. Like help the whole plan like come to be more. Dude, this is the best segue ever. <laughs> I'm glad I'm recording this right yeah, now. Yeah, good. <laughs> because um, like she got me, I've, I've, have you ever heard of the law of attraction? Have you ever like. I've heard of it. Yeah. So that whole thing is like. If you're visualizing the things you want to happen, like they're just way more likely to happen to you. Mm. And some people think it's complete pseudoscience. Some people think it's huge. I think it's huge because that's what I did with snowboarding. That's what mm. I did with doing what I'm doing now. Sick. And what she, this girl, this, this lady who I had on Lauren, like mm. she was super into it. And we had this like really good chat about the law of attraction and I've spent like the last two weeks just reading and watching videos about it. And it's all about visualization and stuff. And you're just like a guy who hasn't watched that stuff at all. And you just do it naturally. And well, it's, it's working. Of, <laughs> it's like totally worked. <laughs> let's do a lot of podcasts though. Yeah. So I probably, I get oh, okay, like, okay. I read books and I do like try yeah. to like educate myself, but like, I don't retain like, I retain like what resonates with me. Couldn't like recite to you the laws of attraction, even though I've probably like heard about it. I've heard it. I've heard about it, but like, you know what I mean? I couldn't really summarize it very well. Mm -hmm. But like, I think like just finding like what you can take from it and like trying to actually implement it in your life, like the most important part. Yeah. And just like doing something like start, like making small steps was a big one. Like all this happened just from making small steps. Yeah. Baby steps, man. Like that was one of the biggest realizations I had in the last like year because I kind of have this vision of where I want to be with like learning all the marketing stuff and all the kind of creative projects what like I'm trying to do more and more creative projects I'm working on some stuff with like a video friend of mine Mm -hmm. we have some just ideas and then I'm doing this podcast and it's I'm just trying to experiment and stuff because I kind of have a vision and it's literally it felt so overwhelming for so long until I just started just doing stuff. Mm. I was like, ah, all I have to do is do something in the right direction. And it'll just like, and now I'm like so so much farther ahead. Like I've like, I've become a pretty good writer just because of like writing tons of stuff. Mm. And every little article feels like such a small step, but it's like, that's dope. It's I've come so far from there just because of that. Yeah. Like, what are you, it's like, what are you waiting for? It's like, yeah, that was one thing for me. It was like, I would, like, spend time, like, thinking about shit. Like, I don't know. Do you meditate at all? I do meditate. Okay. But I, like, I usually meditate in the sauna at the gym. Yeah. Like, still. actually, that's when I usually do it. That's the same thing, though. Yeah. But it's just, like, trying to be, like, aware of, like, the voice in your head and, like, kind of, like, dis- dis- disconnecting yourself from it and, like, not associating yourself with your thoughts or not associating with your thoughts. And, like, where am I going with this? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I used to, like, I'd sit there and, like, think about, like, all the shit that I'm supposed to do and, like, actually get stressed over it. And I'd be, like, anxious and stressed, being, like, do all this shit. And then I started, like, a big, like, I guess a mantra was just, like, if you're going to, why are you wasting time thinking about it if you're not going to do it? So I I just started being, like, if you're going to waste time thinking about it, then just do it. So, like, like, all these little things, like, just procrastinating and stuff like that. I would like I would be like, why am I like actually getting stressed over something when I could just do it and then not be stressed about it anymore? Yeah. Or like don't think about it. Like if you're gonna let it stress you out. Like that was a big one, I feel, in terms of making small steps, because that kind of forced me to make all these little like tiny steps. Yeah. Where it's just like get on top of your procrastination, like just make little steps towards bigger things that you want to do. Whether it's just like buying a mic and starting a podcast or like you know what I mean? Like some people would be like, oh, I don't want to drop that money on a mic. And then they might not do it for like a year or two years. Yeah. But it's like it's not that much money to like do something that you want to do. For sure, man. The it's value like it's going to bring. Use it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like read an article a few years ago and it was this, the dude, 
this dude named Mark Manson who had that book that went viral and it's like the art of not giving a fuck. Oh, I've listened to the art of not giving a fuck on uh, audio. Okay. I don't remember much though. I need to listen to it again. Okay. Yeah. I read that book like a few times. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have the book if you want to borrow the book. I'll be down. Um, but yeah, he like had an article and it's just like the do something principle. And it's like, man, just do something. It's like, <laughs> it can literally be anything. If you're sitting around kind of overwhelmed, it's like going like, organize those sh- the pile of shoes you have in the front entrance mm. it's like then you'll just do something else <laughs> yeah. and i don't know true that's facts there's a lot of people who it's like it is so much more simple like there's this dude right now who's a huge self-help psychologist guy who the mainstream media is kind of attacking him because he said a few political things but his whole thing is just about helping people get their lives together who so is it jordan peterson oh okay you probably heard of him maybe. yeah he, he, he's a professor at u of t right yeah he's yeah. that guy yeah he's but, like, isn't that kind of, like, helping him, like, get his message out, too? Like, all the people, like, that are that are just being, like, against his, against his views, I think that's give, brought him a lot of exposure. Oh, he's become, like, world famous because of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. like, they're not really, yeah. It's, like, <laughs> funny how that works sometimes. It's like the vegan protesters at that one place in Toronto. Oh, that, uh... Antler. Antler. He's, yeah. like, a world famous restaurant now. Yeah, I want to go there now. Same. I want to go really bad. <laughs> Um, let's go yeah we should <laughs> we definitely should but um yeah and he like taught and he, i read his book and his book at the start it's like just start by making your bed because mm. if you're sitting around overwhelmed it's like just go and do little things that make your life feel like it's more organized true because you're not doing things because you feel like your life is chaotic no doubt if you just do a few things and make your life feel a little more organized, then you can just start doing more things and yeah, it's whatever. like a domino effect. It's like the, just the baby steps. It's like they're everyone's just saying the same thing. Yeah, but it's so true. Yeah, I actually have that on my my whiteboard. It's kind of corny, but it's like want to change the world. Start by making your bed. <laughs> it's like the first steps. Like you got to make like if you wake up and make your bed, like you already did something. Dude, that's one of his quotes. I think. Yeah, I, just, I didn't make that quote up. Like, I saw it somewhere. Okay, I think that's literally like, his I had quote. the principle of it in my head, and then I, like, Googled around and tried to find a quote for it. Yeah. But I'd probably read it somewhere. I Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, you see so much shit. Yeah. That you're just like... For sure, man. You come up with things, and then you think you made it up. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Like, no, I didn't. I know. That's the thing, like... Well, with writing, it's like me writing a lot of these things. Like I write articles about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like this kind of describes it a little better than how I explained it last time. Okay. When I was telling you what my website is like. It's like me just just, just like analyzing these kinds of strategies and how to like actually live by them. Mm-hmm. But it's like someone told me, it's like, because I used to be like, oh, I'm just like stealing that idea from someone else. And then like I read this other quote and it's like, being creative is just about stealing other people's ideas and putting your own twist on it. Yeah. It like kind of is. Yeah. And then there's that, I think it's a Picasso quote. It's like good artists, copy, great artists, steal. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah it's like, you, you. it's not like they own that idea. You can still roll yeah, with it exactly. and just like look at it in your own way. How are you supposed to progress? Like how are we like, how is society supposed to progress at anything? Like, you know, you need someone to kind of set the platform and then like, or set the bar, and then, like, everyone else is kind of, like, following that up. Yeah. But you're going to be copying a little bit, taking influence from other people. Otherwise, like, I don't know. That's, how, that's, how, that's where inspiration comes from. Like, inspiration doesn't come from nothing. It comes from, like, doing things, seeing art, seeing, like, people, other people succeed. And, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, how are you supposed to... Like, if, you know, if no one's copying, like, there's probably not going to be... I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. No, I know what you mean. It's like, it's not like things aren't building on each other to get farther ahead. It's just a bunch of people building little, like little things on their own. It's like, there's no like growing, growing of thoughts and everything. Yeah. That's cool. Like I like this conversation. I didn't think was going to turn out this way because I thought, yeah, I just didn't think you'd be into this stuff. Like more like the writing down your goals and Mm -hmm. whatnot, but it's like become the more I talk to people who are like doing good things in their lives and doing cool things. It's like a big thing. Like they they focus a lot on like how to make those things happen for them, mm-hmm. and that's like a skill on its own. Yeah. And like I'm learning that really quickly. Like the last girl I talked to, she was like, "The thing with every successful person is they all have, they all think the same." Hmm. She was like, "That's the thing that makes them similar. That's is they all have the same thinking. They have huh. successful person thinking. They don't just." let things happen to them or whatnot like they like really 
master the way they look at the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that can put a lot of stress on you, but it's also like that that's like that causes you to be successful at the same time. Cause like, you're so attached to like, like you're not waiting for something to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like when something like when there's pressure on you, like you're fully like 200% in it, like trying to make sure how to not fuck up the situation. Yeah. Or like whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. There's this girl who I was hanging out with this girl a few days ago and she was talking to me about tarot cards. Like, you know, those cards that are you like, they like tell you, I don't really know. I've never gone to a place where they do that, but I know the name. Like you flip a card and it has like a reading and you read that into that and apply it to your own life. And it's supposed mm-hmm. to be kind of a fortune thing. Mm-hmm. And she believes in all that, but she's fully believes in the law of attraction and manifesting and everything. And I was like, I don't know if you've thought about this, but those are the opposites. You yeah. believe that you create <laughs> everything. You you have the power to create everything in front of you, but you also believe that that card is deciding what's going to happen to you. Yeah, I don't like that shit. It's like, I don't believe that at all. Um, like, I totally believe in spirituality. I believe in all of that, but I don't believe that you like pull a card out of a deck and, and it tells you. <laughs> if anything, I think that maybe influences the way you look at the future or like the way you're looking at other things. And yeah. I just don't think that's like, that's the opposite of manifesting. Yeah. It could take you down a different path. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you're trying to like counteract like what it told you. For sure. Something like that. Like she gave me some explanation and I was like, that was a really good response. And I didn't say anything back, but like, I just don't think they're the same. I think they're yeah. totally different. Might work for her. Yeah. Yeah. You know she what? She has the other mindset already. Like that's the thing. Eh? Be a tool for her. Fair enough. That's the thing, right? Like a lot of these things, people are like, it's just placebo effect, man. Yeah. You just think you're in control. And it's like, I don't even care if it is placebo effect. That means it works. Yeah, it's true. It's like people get over sicknesses because of placebo effect. Like it works for them. Yeah. Like it, I don't really care if placebo effect makes me get the lifestyle that I want. Yeah. <laughs> if I get it, I'm going to be pretty happy. Yeah, no doubt. Like it's not that. Yeah. I don't, it's not that out there for me. Yeah. I don't fuck with crystals though. Yeah. No, yeah, none <laughs> of the crystals. But I mean, if it works for you, that's cool too. I, I, I think like the whole positive energy thing is like good, but like, I, I don't need a crystal to like, Give, give positive energy to get there yeah to get it yeah for i don't sure, know anything yeah. about crystals though so i shouldn't be like shitting on it <laughs> same i don't know anything <laughs> about it but i go to the gym to give myself positive energy yeah you know like i eat healthy food to do that i do things like that instead True. and that's what works for me and i do fun stuff like this because this like <laughs> honestly like create like writing articles and like making this stuff is so fun for me now i don't like writing something i want to do more too it's yeah like writing like sentences you suck at it, is that you said? Yeah. Oh. Right, like, I'm not the best at it. Yeah. Like, something that I want to get better Such at. Such a skill, man. It's just like everything. Yeah. Like I said, like, man, I used to go over articles, like, 30 times before they looked good. Mm. And nowadays, I'll, like, this is, like, a bad habit, but sometimes I'll just write them, and I'll be like, this is good enough, and I'll just post it, and I'll just have to go back, like, a, a day later. Like, usually a friend is like, man, I found a spelling error in your thing. Oh, I'm like, yeah. of course there is. So I was overconfident again. No doubt. But it's, like, pretty good, like, first try now. And I used to just struggle so much. Yeah. And you have the control of going and changing it because it's all, like, released by you, you know? Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's like you're posting it under somebody else's, yeah. like, website. Or exactly. And, like, I'm not really making money through writing, but... I mean, this is kind of relates to what you're doing a bit. It's like I was, I used to submit my articles to other websites. I had a few published on Elephant Journal and Thought Catalog. Okay. And I have a few coming out on a couple websites soon just because I just wanted to try that again. It's been like a few years. Yeah. But you, you, sell, you like let them post your stuff and then they own it. Mm-hmm. They literally own the rights to your content. Oh, really? And you're not getting paid. That sucks. So it's just like, oh, it's like you get exposure. Yeah. But, man, like, they own your article. You can't even post your own article on your own site. That sucks. It's like, really? I, I that, hate that. Like I, in every case, or just certain websites have that policy? Just certain websites. But most of them, like, they own, most of them own it, but you, some of them you can repost it. Hmm. Yeah. It's pretty fucked, though. Yeah. It's like, because writing is just, like, this, like, untangible thing where it's, like, anyone can just, anyone can write. And they know that. So they just like, they own you. They mm-hmm. own you. 
Like, True. I'm not trying to make it as a writer. I just think that's a good skill. It like gets the creative juices flowing. Mm-hmm. Relates to everything else that I'm going to be end up end up doing for work and stuff. And I actually just like it. Yeah. You can work more ideas out when you actually write them out. Yeah. Like you can probably get to the bottom of a thought way better when you actually explore it, like writing it out. Yeah, that's the dude. That's the best way to describe it. Mm. That's the best way to describe it. Cause I've been journaling like every day, but I want to get into more like creative writing, almost. Yeah. Like exploring like a single thought more and like diving into it. Yeah. It seems to be more like what you're doing, like kind of turning it into a like a whole subject. Yeah. Like a single thought into like a subject, kind of. Pretty much, man. That sounds like exactly what I do. And I journal almost every day too, because it's just good for your head. True. Just it's good for your head, man. I just do it to remember what I did every day. Yeah, you do it for you actually do it for that, eh? Yeah. I just do it to like, kind of remind myself. It's just like, it's kind of like what you said. You like you're you're aware of what you're going for when you mm. like write it down all the time. Yeah. And I'm just like writing down what I'm trying to end up with, and that's awesome. How I'm trying to approach things. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I. It's like the same entry like every day. Almost mm. like it changes only a little bit. No doubt, that's cool though. Like, yeah, gratitude journaling is good. I find too. I don't know if you do any of that. That's in like every day of it. True. Yeah. Yeah. Just write shit down that you're thankful for, or whatever things that you, things that went well during that day. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like I that that's a big part of it. Doing the same shit every day, it's easy to like for a week to fly by, and like you can't decipher the days. <laughs> like, I don't know if you notice that, like working a nine to five job, but like. Like, yeah. boarding, I feel like you have more, like, vivid memories because you're doing a little something different every day. You're doing different tricks every day. Like, you remember that day more clearly. When I'm just sitting in my room, like, on my laptop, like, all day, like, every day. Yeah. Like, every day feels the same. So yeah. then you look back on the week and, like, it's literally a blur for me. <laughs> like, it's insane. So, like, yeah. I'm trying to write down, like, little things, like, just what I did. Fair enough. I guess you're pretty, like, isolated in there. <laughs> yeah, I like, try to get out of the house more nowadays, though. It's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh air helps. Just go to like Bellwoods or like whatever. Yeah. Let me know when you're in Bellwoods. Like I'm obviously like right here. Hell yeah. I go there pretty often. I'll, I'll go there with Tim quite a bit. 